Hello and welcome to the Modern Casanova podcast with me, Troy Francis. So, it's a very, very special episode. It's a very special day in the calendar of this wonderful podcast because this is episode number 50. Yes, I've done 50 of these podcasts. This is the 50th. And yeah, it's a time for joyous celebration. There will be parties in the street. There will be bunting up around the houses. People will be putting on their party clothes, going out to dance with their neighbours, rekindling old bonds with friends that they've lost touch with, perhaps looking up old lovers and generally having a fantastic time because this is something to be celebrated. Who would have thought when I started this podcast back 50 episodes ago, whenever that was, and it was really a couple of years, I think, that I would actually get to this point of doing 50 episodes. And I'm really glad that I have. And I think it's really improved as well. I mean, I don't know, you can tell me better than I can tell myself. But I think from listening back to some of the earlier episodes and now listening to the stuff that I'm putting out now, I think it's got a lot better. I think I've got better as a presenter. I've now got the uh, the lovely Blue Yeti mic, which is sitting in front of me very phallically at the moment, and that, I hope, has improved the sound quality, although I'm still kind of fiddling around with the levels on that, so do bear with me on that if you can. But yeah, 50 episodes, it's really good. It's great for me to be able to learn a new kind of skill, I suppose. I mean, audio has never been my thing. Although, funnily enough, actually, when I was a kid, I always wanted to be a radio presenter. I kind of fantasized for a long time about being a phone-in host on a radio show, on a talk radio show. So now, having this wonderful technology to be able to produce effectively radio in your own bedroom is pretty incredible, really. So I've got to be very, very grateful for that and very grateful for this opportunity to you know, produce this show and to speak to you guys every week, which is fantastic. So thank you very much for listening. Thank you for making it all possible. And looking at the figures, my figures, my analytics aren't very good, actually. I use SoundCloud for the analytics and I can't get access to the iTunes ones for some reason. So if anyone listening knows how I can find it out, then give me a shout because I'm pretty useless with that kind of thing. But looking at SoundCloud, it's going pretty well. The numbers are up. There are considerably more people listening every day than there have been in the past, which is good. Uh, So, you know, it's getting out there. The message is getting out there. Word is spreading and the podcast is gaining some traction, which is all to the good because basically I just want to be able to spread myself far and wide in whatever form that I can. And I think podcasting is great. I love podcasts myself. I listen to a load of podcasts every week and I heard somebody else saying this actually earlier in the week, but I've probably got most of my education about certainly the business stuff and the entrepreneurial stuff from podcasts more than from kind of any other medium really, except probably books. So podcasts, really, really valuable. And of course, you can listen when you're in the gym or doing jobs or going shopping or whatever. So it's all to the good. So what are we going to do in this 50th episode? Well, I was thinking about this for a while and then I kind of got involved. I'm in a massive project at the moment, building my personal brand course, which is taking up all my bandwidth. So then I didn't have time to get a special guest or do anything spectacularly amazing. But what I thought I would do is talk about Robert Cialdini's six principles of persuasion. 
And the reason that I want to do that is because I was talking about it on Twitter this week quite a lot, and it got some pretty good responses from people. So I think people are fascinated rightly with all of this persuasion stuff. And for me, it kind of links in almost with Robert Greene and uh, Machiavelli, obviously, before him as well. There's great interest, I think, in this whole side of how do we present ourselves, how do we influence other people, how do we persuade other people around to our point of view. I'm rereading the 48 Laws of Power at the moment and making notes from my Kindle, which I download every day. That's been a really great uh, process for me, really reminded me of some of the lessons in that particular book. And of course, Cialdini, with the 1984 book uh, Persuasion, is... um, really, really helpful in terms of precisely how or the precise um, elements that bring persuasion about and that create um, a persuasive brand or a persuasive personality or a persuasive seducer, all of these different things. So Cialdini really is the go-to guy in terms of the building blocks for persuasion. So what I wanted to do today was to go through fairly briefly the six uh, building blocks that he identifies and talk about them in connection with entrepreneurialism and possibly putting in a little bit of dating advice there as well, if it's appropriate. So without further ado, the six principles of persuasion that Cialdini identifies are... Reciprocity, commitment and consistency, social proof, liking, authority, and scarcity. And if you can bring all of those things into play, or at least some of those things into play, whenever you're trying to persuade somebody to do something, whether that is to persuade them to buy your product, to sign up to your email list, to listen to your podcast, to buy your book, whatever it is, if you can get some of those principles of persuasion into the mix, then the likelihood is you're going to do a lot better. And, and Cialdini um, validated these scientifically. So this is the base, this is from the basis of a lot of in-depth research. So these are very, very clear, very defined principles that have a scientific basis. So they are worth knowing and they're worth bearing in mind. So let's dive in. Reciprocity. Now this is fundamentally the idea that if you give something to somebody else without any expectation of return, then that person is going to feel, to some degree, beholden to return the favour. Now, we see this being done the whole time. We see it being done in restaurants sometimes. We'll give out little pieces of food outside the restaurant and you get that little free gift, and then maybe afterwards you think, oh, you know, they were really nice to give me that. Perhaps I should go back and and visit that restaurant as a diner. You see it with brand to hand in train stations. They'll give out cans of uh, fizzy drinks or different products. And again, it's a little free gift from from the manufacturer, and you think, oh, that was nice of them. Maybe I should actually go and buy the product as a reciprocity measure. We also see it in digital marketing with lead magnets. So at the moment, I'm building something that's going to be a lead magnet. It's basically a book. It's an ebook, normal, completely normal Troy Francis book, except I'm going to be giving it away for free. 
and the reason I'm going to be giving it away for free is not because I'm such a generous, wonderful guy, although obviously I am, but the reason is that I want to give it away for free in return for hopefully people signing up for my email subscription list. So I'm building my email subscriber list and the principle of reciprocity, getting somebody to reciprocate by giving me their email address is one that's really well known in the marketing community. And that's why you see a lot of people saying, if you give me your email address, you can get this free ebook, you can get this free video course, you can get this free cheat sheet, blah, blah, whatever it is. So reciprocity is really important. Now, the only watchword on this, I would say, is you have to be a little bit careful. And particularly, you have to be careful in a dating scenario. Because, of course, the classic thing that guys think is... If I take this girl out for drinks, if I take this girl out for dinner, then she is going to reciprocate or hopefully she's going to reciprocate by coming home with me or starting a relationship with me or whatever it is. And that is a bad assumption to make for a couple of reasons. Firstly, and fundamentally, the whole thing with reciprocity is that you should do it without expectation of a particular result. So when I'm giving this book out, I'll give it out. I'll ask people to sign up with their email address. But if they unsubscribe afterwards, if they never buy any of my products, if they don't read any of my emails uh, that come through afterwards, then, you know, that's absolutely fine because I'm not doing the giveaway in the spirit of, ha, 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 I'm just going to give this away and I'll snare these people into becoming lifelong customers. I'm giving it a, I'm giving it away genuinely just to see what happens. Some people, I'm confident from that will turn into customers, will start to read my emails, maybe like my stuff, buy my courses, buy my book, you know, whatever it is, my coaching, etc. And others won't, but that's absolutely fine. And this is particularly marked in the dating arena where you know, it's not, let's just say it's not politically correct, apart from anything else, to assume that a girl is going to reciprocate if you buy her a drink or a dinner. But even more than that, it's just not realistic, you know. And the likelihood is if you go in to trying to meet and attract girls with the idea I'm going to buy them things and then they're going to reciprocate, it's a very bad strategy because you are playing the provider. You are putting yourself in that frame where you're going to just be a target for, at the very best, you're going to be a target for gold diggers. And at the very worst, you're just going to get used and then discarded. And certainly, you're not going to get the kind of respect that you would get if you went in as an equal, if you went in as a guy who is bringing his own value to the table, not the the value that he can buy. And he is attractive for that reason. So be very careful in terms of reciprocity Uh, certainly in the dating scene. And just more generally, you know, don't do it in a really cynical way. Don't do it in a way of, in a mean-spirited sort of way of, I'll just give this crappy thing away and hopefully I'll get something back from them as a result. That's not the right way to go into it. So the book that I'm doing as a lead magnet, it's over 25,000 words long. So it's, it's the length of a short book that I would normally sell on Amazon. Uh, my editor came back to me yesterday and he said, I don't even think this is a lead magnet because it's too, there's too much detail, it's too much value in it. But for me, I think it's best to give away the most valuable thing that you can. 
you know, why not give the most value that you possibly can over deliver and don't expect anything in return. And then whatever you get in return is going to be a plus. It's going to be in the plus column on your on your graph, if you like, on your paper. The next point is around commitment and consistency. And what this is about is the idea that if somebody commits to a certain course of action, then psychologically they want their behavior to continue to reflect that. One of the things that we really hate as human beings is to be seen as inconsistent because to be inconsistent is seen to be a bit flaky, a bit mad, a bit not fully in control of your your faculties, of your person, if you like. So people like to be seen by themselves as, as well as by others to be consistent. So what this means is that if you develop what's called a yes ladder with somebody, with your prospect, then you are more likely to get them to do the thing that you actually want them to do at the end because they won't want to look inconsistent. So if, for example, you get your potential customer to sign up for your email and order your free ebook, then they've quali- they've pre-qualified themselves as a, as a paying customer, but moreover, they're more likely to become that paying customer because they've already demonstrated that they will they they're bought into you they will buy they will they will they want your product they want your output so when you then come to them with an offer and say well listen why don't you i've got this amazing new book coming out what it's only 9.99 or whatever it is would you like to buy it then they are more likely to do that because they'll want to appear consistent with their previous actions uh, so consistency commitment and consistency is a really important thing to generate and from a dating perspective a way of thinking about it is if you go on a first date with a girl and you go to bar one and you have a drink and then you say to her I tell you what we're going to go I know this amazing cocktail place over the street we're going to go there come on and you take her hand and you go to the cocktail place and then you say oh listen I know this absolutely fantastic place that serves tequila it's down the street, come on, let's go, you've got to check it out. And then you take her to the tequila bar and then you say to her, listen, I've got this amazing drink back at home, you've really got to try it, this thing, I bought it back from Mexico, it's absolutely delicious, you have to try it. And then you grab her hand and you take her back to your apartment. There's much more likelihood that she's going to be... um, she's going to want to come back to your apartment with you because she's already committed to going to these other places with you. So it's consistency. So again, it's similar to that, to the yes ladder that people talk about in business. You know, you, the person has said yes to this, they said yes to this, they said yes to this. So when you give them the, you know, the killer blow, the, the, the thing that you really want them to agree to, they're much more likely in the end to say yes to that thing as well. So consistency, very strong drive in people. Remember to appeal to it. Now, the next one, social proof. Now, this is very, very familiar from the game side of things. So social proof has been talked about for many years. In terms of um, seduction, in terms of dating, and 
equally, it's also very well known as a tactic for business as well. Um, so social proof basically just means that if you can see that lots of other people like the thing, then you are more likely to like that thing yourself. So what's an example? Um, if you go to, say you go to a street where there's a load of bars on the street and you see lots of bars where there aren't that many people there and they're, they're a bit quiet and they look a little bit boring. And then there's one bar where the music's pumping and there's a crowd gathering outside and there's a queue of people to get in and you see all these uh, cool people walking in and out, then human nature dictates that the bar that you're going to want to go to is that bar because that seems to be where the action is. That's where the social proof is. You've got all of these other people there. So what, you know, and the assumption is if all of those people think it's cool, there must be something good about it. It must be cool on some level. Otherwise, why are all of those different people there? Very, very powerful stuff. Now, we get this as well in terms of dating, in terms of the game scene. So you have this idea that if you walk into a club with two girls on your arm, then you are more likely to be attractive to the other ladies in that establishment because you've shown social proof you've shown that you are liked by other girls so you've you've been given a sort of a there's a tick in the box already if you like as you as you walk in because if you've done something sufficient to make these two girls like you even if you're just friends or you know whatever it is then you must be an okay guy you must have something going for you so you've already uh through that social proof managed to knock through a few objections that somebody might, a girl might have to being interested in you. So very, very powerful and really, really worth doing. And this is why you'll get sort of on adverts, you know, join a thousand people on my mailing list, blah, 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 you know, 10,000 happy customers can't be wrong, that kind of thing. It's all about social proof. It's all about building up this idea that, look, loads of other people are doing it, so you should be doing it too. And this is why by the way, on a social media platform, something like Twitter, the more followers that you've got, the more followers you're going to get. Because again, people see your profile, they see that you've got thousands of followers. And so they think, ah, oh, this person must be good. This person must be saying something that's valuable because he's got all these followers. So therefore, I'm going to follow him too. Which is why you see people sort of blow up because once they get to a certain Points. And I'm not sure actually with Twitter if there is a tipping point where it just suddenly starts to pour in. Maybe, maybe there is. I don't think I've reached it yet. But certainly you will see people who get big and then they just get bigger. And the reason for that is, is well, there's a number of reasons, but a big reason for that is social proof. Because if you click on someone's profile and you see that they've got 40,000 followers, then there's a tendency to think, well, they've, they've clearly got something worth saying because all of these people are listening to it. Whereas if you click on somebody's profile and they've got, you know, 20 or 30 or a few hundred, you know, 100 or so followers, you might think, well, not many people are listening to this person, so therefore they're not as worthy for me to follow. Now, that could well be a mistake because it might well be that that person is just new to Twitter or they, you know, their message doesn't resonate in such a large way for whatever reason. It doesn't mean that what they've got to say is inherently less worthwhile than the person with you know, 40,000, 100,000 followers. But that's just the way 
our nature works. And so we have to recognise that, particularly if we want to sell to people or to persuade people. The next thing on the list is liking. So are you likeable? Do people buy into you or not? And this is really important. And I, I don't think this requires a hell of a lot of explanation really because it's it's a fairly obvious you know we are drawn to people that we like we are drawn to people who we feel we identify with who we feel are you know normally maybe i don't know friendly who have that certain something about them some kind of warmth or something now there is a caveat to this and this is a caveat that i talk about a lot in my the stuff that i've written and my my work if you like and that is that you can err on the side of being a little bit too bland. You can think, oh, Cialdini said that I need to be likable, so therefore I'm going to be a nice guy, I'm going to be really, I'm not going to offend anybody, I'm going to be so nice and so cuddly and so sweet and such a good guy that everybody's going to like me and I'm going to make loads of sales and I'm going to be a, a millionaire. And that's not necessarily the case. Because when you look at it, when you think about it, I mean, and again, if you if you listen to this, if you're on Twitter, then this you'll understand what I mean. If you're not, then I'll think of another example in a moment. But basically, if you look at Twitter, some of the people, particularly in the sort of self improvement quarter of, of Twitter, where I, I guess I, I guess I inhabit, some of the people who are big in that space are pretty egotistical and potentially sometimes even kind of obnoxious. I mean, you know, we're not talking about shrinking violets here. We're not talking about people. There are people who will tweet things like, if you DM me with this nonsense, I'm not going to respond because you're clearly an idiot, blah, blah, blah. Um, well, you know, we, and I agree with them, by the way. I'm not, I'm not saying anything against that. But um, these people who are very, very popular are, you know, can, can be egotistical and along with that a bit narcissistic and sometimes a bit abrupt sometimes quite arrogant potentially you know and when you you broaden it further and you think about celebrities you know you think about all the, the big rock stars the big actors and so on again very egotistical people and sometimes not particularly pleasant but people still love them people still buy into them so you've got to be a little bit careful with this liking thing because yes being likable and approachable is valuable in one way but on the other hand you've got to balance it and ensure that you don't go too far the other way and you just come become completely bland because that way you know you're just vanilla and you know maybe some people quite like you but nobody loves you and you've got to you've got to be one side or the other and I get into a lot of this in my course by the way on on personal brand where I talk about polarization because polarization absolutely key in terms of you know creating a really dynamic a really engaging personal brand same thing could be said of game as well you know with all of these things you don't want to be the bland character you want to be abrasive you want to be a little bit different you want to be dark you want to have something magnetic about you to draw them in now if along with that you can also be likable then you've hit the sweet spot and this is what somebody like tom torero would call the nice bad boy in the sense that yes you're the bad boy yes you're a rebel yes you are a little bit edgy and whatever but you've also got that nice side to you as well and if you can get that balance then i think that is where you want to be i think that is 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 perfect depending on the type of brand that you 
you're making as well. I mean, you know, this is this is all this is all relative. And when I'm talking about this, I'm thinking a lot about myself and my own personal brand and guys who are in the sort of you know self help entrepreneur game sphere. I mean, if you've got a business where you're selling cupcakes in Brighton, then it may be you know it may be different. But even then, I, I would still always say a bit of edginess never hurts. But this is actually balanced by the next point, which is authority. Now, authority, as you would expect, basically means, is this person an authority? Does this person have the gravitas? Does this person have the knowledge to talk about the thing that they are talking about? Um, and if they, if they do, then I'll listen to them. And if they don't, then I'm going to be skeptical about listening to them. Makes complete sense. And this is, out of all of it, you would think, well, this is the most obvious in a way, because why would you listen to somebody who's not an authority? Now, that's very true. But from the point of view of the the person creating the content, from the point of view of the person who's trying to sell, your job is to come across as an authority. Because Again, this is how you sell yourself. You know, it might be that you are very, very, very good at game, but you're not able to sell yourself as being very good. And so you don't come across as having authority. It might be that you're very good at being an online entrepreneur, but you don't have that that sense of authority. So the job here for somebody who's producing, somebody who hopes to persuade is to develop an aura of authority around them, or at least to showcase the authority that they actually have. And hopefully it's that way around, because with all of this stuff, it should be ethical. You should be going to market with a quality product, whether that quality product is you as a guy who's hoping to meet girls, or whether it's you as an entrepreneur who's hoping to sell your products. You know, you should be going to market with something that's genuine and something that is worthwhile and is going to leave people better than you found them. But all of that is worthless if you don't present yourself as an authority, because if you fail to do that, then, you know, people just aren't going to necessarily pick, people aren't necessarily going to pick you, you aren't going to get paid attention to. And what I was going to say with regard to the last one, liking, is that authority can trump liking or can at least balance out liking because let's say somebody like Ben Settle, the uh, email copywriting guru. Now, Ben Settle, I listen to his podcast every week and I, I like the guy actually. He's kind of funny. He's kind of, he's amusing, etc. But this is an example of somebody who is, is he a likable character? I think he kind of is actually. I think he kind of is. He's got a sense of humor. If you listen to those podcasts, he's quite funny. He's quite well, he's not I was going to say self-effacing. He's not self-effacing at all, but he is amusing. You know, but he te- he tells it like it is. He can be abrasive, he can be abrupt, he can be rude about people that don't do what he thinks they should do. I think it's in quite a jokey way, but you know, nevertheless so, you know, he's a, he's, he's a character, you know, and he's not particularly a cuddly, warm, friendly character, although I imagine, you know, if you work with him or whatever, he would be, he would, he would have your back at all times. He seems that kind of guy. But, um, you know, so the point is, you can have that slightly spiky exterior. You don't have to be the archetypical nice guy if you've got the authority to back it up. And the thing about Ben Settle is, 
he gives he gives you this complete sense of assuredness in his authority. So, you know, and to be honest, I mean, I'm not such an expert on copy copywriting that I can say definitively whether he is, you know, the copywriting guru on the planet or not. I mean, that's because I just don't know enough about it. I'm still learning. And he seems to me to be very good. I buy into everything he says. He's probably my favorite authority on copywriting at the moment out of anybody. But, you know, I'm not enough of an expert to say, yes, 100%, this is the man, this is the best copywriter that's ever lived, and blah de blah And even he himself says that he's not, you know, the best copywriter. But the important thing is, he gives over this incredible sense of authority. And so, that's why he can sell his newsletter for, I forget how much it is, but, you know, quite expensive newsletter that he sends out every month uh, in print and so on. He can do that because he's got this incredible aura of authority and he doesn't have to temper that by being too likable because, you know, because he, he knows his shit. He knows what he's talking about. And because of that, people will pay him good money regardless of his likability or not. Not saying he's not likable, by the way. Please don't think that. He does seem, actually seem pretty likable on the show, but you know what I mean. He's got that slightly tough exterior. He's got that kind of like quite prickly, kind of cynical kind of exterior, which is a character, and you know people people love it, so it's good. The final point on the list is scarcity, and this is a very familiar persuasion technique that we see all the time with sales and in marketing, where basically. You say to the customer, listen, this thing, it's really awesome. I know that you love it. I know that you want to buy it. Well, on Friday at midnight, I'm going to close the doors forever and it's not going to be available anymore. So give me your money now because if you don't, then you won't have the opportunity to have this thing. You see this with things like closing down sales. There's been shops, there's shops in London and Oxford Street that seem to have been closing down for about 20 years. They have a sign outside that says closing down sale and it never actually closes. But in the meantime, it gives the impression to the passerby that it's going to close. So if they see something inside that they like, they think, oh shit, I better, I better buy that thing before the store closes and I won't be able to get it. People's fear of missing out is incredibly strong. So if you can, ex- if you can instill that fear in them, And again, you know, instilling fear, that doesn't sound very ethical, but, you know, everybody does this. And again, you know, I I bring it back to my point before. I don't believe any persuasion technique is unethical if what you are hoping to get into the hands of your customer is of high quality. And, you know, everybody uses these techniques. But if if what you're selling in the end is going to be good for them, if it's genuinely of quality, then in a sense, you're doing people a favor if you're using the techniques necessary to get them to buy into it. I think there's only really a problem if you're using these techniques, but what you're trying to do is to hoodwink people or or give them something that's in some way substandard. Anyway, scarcity, very important. You can use this in game as well. You can say, um, I think... uh, I think Tom calls it the Royal Flush. I'm not quite sure that's what he means by it, actually. But basically, you could say you could be in a town, you could be in Warsaw and you could be there for two weeks. And then you could say maybe you've met various different girls and you've got phone numbers and you're texting them and everything else. And then you could say to them at the end, you could say to them coming up to the end of it, well, listen, on Friday, Friday again, I'm going to be leaving Warsaw and I'm not coming back for for six months. So this is the last time 
that you're going to get the chance to see me. So do you want to see me tonight or not? And if you do that, then you instill a fear of scarcity because basically what you're saying is I'm here now, it's all good, but in a couple of days I'll be gone and I won't be back for a long time. So if you want to see me, now is your chance. And if you do that, then there's a, you know, there's a, there's a reasonable chance if the girl is interested that she's going to take you up on that because she knows that once you remove yourself, then that's it. Her opportunity is gone, potentially forever. So there you go. And you could, even if you're ballsy, you could say, I'm here now until the end of the week, and then I'm never coming back ever again. So this is it. This is it, baby. This is your chance. If you don't take this chance, that's it. Gone forever. So there you go. Those are the six principles of C. Aldini, Dr. C. Robert C. Aldini. They are reciprocity, commitment and consistency, social proof, liking, authority, and scarcity. I hope that you've found that useful. As I say, these are relevant across both things like, uh, you know, both things like business, entrepreneurialism, copywriting, which is a big buzzword at the moment, sales, but also in things like seduction and other political kinds of interpersonal um, issues that <laughs> issues that you need to sort out. You know, these skills of persuasion can come into play in pretty much every area of your life, really. All from the book Influence, The Psychology of Persuasion, which came out back in 1984, so it's a long time ago, but it sold over 3 million copies. It's been translated into 30 languages, it's been on the New York Times bestseller list. Fortune lists it as their 70, in their 75 smartest business books. It's one of the 50 psychology classics. It's just, you know, one of the, the classic, classic books in this space. And I've been talking a lot about persuasion over the last week or so on my different uh, social channels. So follow me on Twitter and on Instagram and on YouTube as well. YouTube is up and running again. So get, follow me on YouTube because there's some fire dropping on YouTube as we speak. But um, yeah, I mean, it's a classic book and I've been talking about persuasion. And what I've been saying is basically whatever aspect of life that you want to improve, whatever aspect of life that you want to effectively get your way and let's face it you know we're all we're all people with finite resources we want more resources and in order to do that we need to get our way and the way that you get your way with other people in the world is to be persuasive so it's important to be aware of this stuff it's important to practice using it and to bring it into some of your interactions so that you can get the best deal for yourself possible so do check it out if you haven't read uh, Influence the Psychology of Persuasion by Dr. Robert Cialdini, then do read it. I'd highly recommend that you do. And he's got a new book out now as well, Persuasion, which I may do another episode on at some point in the future. So that is it for the 50th episode of the Modern Casanova podcast. I hope you've enjoyed this. Please do let me know what you think about the sound quality the quality of the show, what you would like me to cover more on the show, what you'd like me to cover less, etc., etc., what you think about the frequency. Obviously, I'm going for once a week. I'm aiming to get it out every Friday, as she said. Uh, that seems to be working pretty well, but some people do daily podcasts. Some people do you know, a couple of weeks, so let me know what you think about that. Anything that you want to discuss, uh, hit me up. I'm on Twitter all the time at uh, 
Troy Seven Laws. So look for Troy Francis on Twitter, Troy Seven Laws. You can email me, um, Troy Francis Seven Laws at gmail.com or hit me up on my website, which is realtroyfrancis.com, etc. So any way that you want to get in touch, please do. Uh, what else is there? Yep, I am. Oh, yeah, yeah. Get on my email list if you haven't already. I will leave a link to that in the uh, show notes. So I'm emailing every day, fresh new piece of content to you guys every day. And there will be regular updates on that with the new project that I'm doing, which is my personal brand course, which is about how to construct and monetize your personal brand. And in that, there's a whole section on persuasion. So I'll be going through all of this persuasion stuff in more detail in a section of that, in a module of that course, because obviously persuasion comes very much into personal brand and and online business as well. You know, it's really the, the part and parcel of the whole thing. So I hope you're looking forward to that. Do get on the email list. Do follow me on the social channels. Let me know what you think of the podcast and I will leave it there for this week. Over and out.